0: Welcome to Literary Italy, a podcast about books and travel in the Bel Paese. Our website is www.literaryitaly.com. Our email is mail at literaryitaly.com. We'd love to hear from you. Hi Anne. <laughs> oh boy. Again, we're we're back to the whole <laughs> Chuckles the Clown thing with Anne.
1: Oh hi Jim. <laughs> 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 Oh, today is going to be a great day. It is
0: going to be a great today day. Today is going to be a great day. Because it already is. It already
1: is. Because we're, we're talking about, we're really stretching this one thin.
0: Oh, I don't think so.
1: No. Once I sort of processed it, no, I, we're actually not. <laughs> <laughs> the thing is, uh, about a year and a half ago, we were in Italy, and we went to a small town in Puglia, which is in the heel of the boot, called Polignano Amari. And it's a beautiful town, and I want to talk about it. And I thought, well, what what kind of what how can I connect this to literature? What is the Italy, great right? the great
0: literature of Polignano Amare?
1: Well, there is a great literature of Polignano Amare. Uh Polignano Amare is the birthplace of the singer songwriter Domenico Mudugno, which you may know better as the singer of the song. Or Volare. Yeah. Or, or really, the, the the title of the song is Nel Blu Di Pinto Di Blu. Mm-hmm. So that today we're going to talk about that song Volare, and we're also going to talk about his hometown of Polignano Amare. Uh, lots to talk about here, because once I started thinking about it, I th- realized that there are a couple of interesting stories here. So first of all, we have the story of the composition of the song, Nel Blu Di Pinto Di Blu. You know, and I, I've heard this song dozens of times. Here's the, here's the tricky part. We're not going to be playing the song, but we're going to be talking about it. However, I guarantee by the end of this episode, you will be singing this song in your head, if not allowed. And um, anyway, you can find in our show notes links to the original version of the song, as well as several covers, because it has been covered by everyone. Mm-hmm. Um, so should we start with Domenico Modugno or with the song?
0: Let's let's start with the man. The, the man, man, the legend. Domenico
1: Modugno, born nineteen twenty eight, in the small town of Polignano Amare, as I said, in the region of Puglia, which is the heel of the boot of Italy. So right on the coast. Uh, we're gonna talk a little bit more about Polignano in a bit, but let's talk about who Domenico Modugno was. He lived in Polignano for about nine years, and then his father was transferred to another small town, Pietro. Vernotico, which is just outside of Brindisi. And he did attend school in Lecce. Um, eventually, he ends up in his early 20s in Rome. Mm-hmm. And he's a singer. He is an actor. He's trying to break into acting. Okay, this is now, you know, the 50s. This is post-World War II Italy. And Cinecittà, you know, the Italian cinema, is kind of g- getting off the ground. Let's Actually, it's, it's a soldered. sort of the
0: equivalent of Hollywood.
1: Yes, so um, there in, in Rome, he makes the acquaintance of a man named, uh, another young man named Franco Migliacci, who, like him, is also working on being a singer, songwriter, and also actor. Franco Migliacci was born in Mantua. Um, family moved to Florence when he was fairly young. I don't remember, but basically he just went to school in Florence. So
0: he's a northerner, Mantua. Yes.
1: Yeah, Mantua and Florence. Yeah. yeah. And so they, they become friends. And they become friends and they also become collaborators. And the story of this song, and it's interesting because as I said, you know, you've heard this song dozens of times, I'm sure. And I've heard this song and I've heard it in Italian and I never really knew or understood the words or actually looked at the words. It didn't make, I knew that it was something about in the blue, which I assume is the blue sky, painted blue. And I thought it was the sky that was painted blue. Mm. But it's. It's a little bit more than that.
0: So this really goes to the, the lyrical composition of the, which is, I guess. Um...
1: Do you want to talk about the lyrics yeah. now or should we talk? All right.
0: Let's talk about the composition. Let's talk about
1: Oh, it. all right. So how it was composed. So yeah. it was, um, the lyrics were written by Franco Migliacci. Uh, apparently, an evening he was kind of down in mm-hmm. the dumps. Because, I mean, the two of them, they're working hard. But they're not having a whole lot of success in Rome. It's a little bit down in the dumps. He has a bottle of of Chianti, I think. You know, hey, he's from wine, right. uh, And um, he's in an apartment where there are these two Chagall paintings. And if you know Chagall's paintings, they're often people, kind of surreal. I mean, the colors are really bright. Yeah. And people are flying through the skies. It's very dreamlike.
0: Yeah, these are like reproductions. They're, they're not... Yeah, obviously,
1: Yeah. yeah. Right. <laughs> He, and he, he's, they,
0: they had not made it to the point where they had uh, original Chagall's no. hanging up.
1: He has a couple of glasses of wine and he falls asleep on the couch and he has this, I would say vision or it's a dream. He has this dream and he gets up and he writes it. And um,
0: and the dream is very similar to what he's seen in, in the in the in these Chagall paintings. Right. right.
1: Um and he brings these lyrics to his friend, Domenico, and he says, I got this weird idea for a song. And I don't know if we can do anything with it. You know, this is kind of weird. And Domenico Modugno looks at the lyrics and says, let's do it. This is a great song. Uh, you want me to read the lyrics?
0: Yes, please. Should I
1: read in Italian?
0: or? <laughs> let's read them in English. In English, please.
1: Oh, well, well right, I'm going to do, do both. I'm going to do the, I... the Italian, then I'm going to translate, okay? Yeah,
0: absolutely. So the first
1: line is... Penso- so, so it's interesting because this this song has been covered a lot by English speaking singers, and they often don't cover
0: this part. Okay,
1: and I think this is a really interesting, oh right, or they right? put this it is or, sort of like an intro.
0: Dean Martin moves it into the middle.
1: Yes, does David Bowie as well?
0: Uh David Bowie is. I, I did. I I think I listened to the David Bowie one once. I mean.
1: Well, all right. Yeah, we, we can, we can talk later.
0: at the end about our favorite what our favorite covers. Okay,
1: are. so it starts. Penso che un sogno così non ritorni mai più. I think a dream like this never comes back. Mi dipingevo le mani e la faccia di blue. <laughs> I painted my face and my hands blue. Now, this word blue. I mean, is it's blu in Italian? This is obviously the color blue. Um, however, Italian is interesting. It has two different words for blue, the color blue, that we would say in English, blue. Um, Azzurro, which is kind of a light blue, and blue, which is more of a, and I wouldn't say navy blue, but more of an intense color blue. I'm sure someone who has a, like a history or a better knowledge of colors would be able to say exactly what that is, mm-hmm. which also got me thinking, of course, people that live in a coastal, you know, in a peninsula like Italy, would have multiple words for the for, for blue because there are so many different gradations of this mm-hmm. color blue when you live, you know, when you see the sea like that. Yeah. Anyway, me deep dipen- I, I painted my hands on my face blue. Okay. Poi d'improvviso venivo dal vento rapito. Then suddenly I became seized by a wind. E incominciavo a volare. Nel cielo infinito. And I began to fly in the infinite sky. Oh, it's like Leopardi
0: with the infinito. I, to, I, I didn't know you were going to go there. Right? I certainly went
1: there. It would have been nice for Leopardi to go fly. No. <laughs> <laughs> then Listen
0: to this song, Takamo, right? and you're just going to mellow out a little He's bit. just
1: the wrong century, I think. Volare. Oh, oh. <laughs> okay. That's fly. Oh, oh. Cantare. Oh, oh. Sing thing. Oh, oh. Nel blu, dipinto di blu. In the blue, painted blue. Felice di stare lassù. Happy to stay up there. Happy to be up there. E volavo, volavo, felice, più in alto del sole del e sole ancora più su. And I was flying, I was flying happier, even higher than the sun, and even higher. Right. Mentre il mondo pian piano spariva lontano laggiù. Meanwhile, the, the world was, little by little, disappearing down there. Una musica dolce suonava soltanto per me. I'm starting to sing it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> A sweet music was playing only for me.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Volare. Jim. Fly. Oh-oh.
0: Oh-oh. No, I'm not going to say no.
1: Cantare.
0: See, you didn't, no, 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 no. You don't, Oh oh. okay.
1: Nel blu, dipinto di blu. Felice di stare lassù. So we're repeating again. Matuti i sogni nell'alba svaniscono perché? But all dreams in at dawn vanish because quando tramonta la luna li porta con se. Because when the moon sets, which is interesting, you know, an interesting concept. We don't, we talk about sunset, but this is he's talking about when the moon sets. The moon carries with it those songs. I'm uh, and, and not songs. Those dreams. Ma io continuo a sognare negli occhi tuoi belli. But I continue to dream in your beautiful eyes. Che sono blu come un cielo tra punto di stelle. That are blue like a sky full of stars. And again, volare o oh o, oh, cantare o oh o, oh, nel blu degli occhi tuoi blu. In the blue of your blue eyes. Felice di stare qua giù. So now, instead of being happy to stay up there, I'm happy to stay qua giù, down here. E continuo a volare felice più in alto del sole e ancora più su. And I continue to fly higher than the sun and even higher mentre il mondo pian piano scompare negli occhi tuoi blu. While the, the, the world is disappearing in your blue eyes. La tua voce... E una musica dolce che suona per me. Your voice is a sweet music that that sings for me, that plays for me. Volare, oh oh, cantare, o oh, oh, nel blu degli occhi tuoi blu, felice di stare qua giù. Nel blu degli occhi blu, felice di stare qua giù. Con te. <laughs> With you. So it goes from flying into the sky higher than the sun, but then coming back down and saying, it's okay, I can stay here because I have... The, the sky in your eyes, in your blue eyes. So the, these are the lyrics of the song. And I think what's really fantastic about this song is that volare, that expression of flying, you know, the volare, cantare. Um, this song, written in 1958, was a huge hit, and I think it's not an exaggeration to say it is the most popular Italian song Ever since, and perhaps in all history. I mean, we, th- th- maybe fight in words if we're going to talk about some of the opera lyrica, but this is certainly the most successful Italian song in in history. Perfect. So, 1958, um, Domenico Modugno and another singer, Gianni Dorelli, present this song at the Festival of San Remo, which is a an Italian music festival. The biggest Italian music festival. I mm-hmm. mean, even friends of mine that don't really follow music are like, Oh yeah, Sanremo's San on. We got to watch Sanremo. And it's a huge hit. And it, and it, um, it's actually Johnny Dorelli who sings, performs at, um, San Remo. And uh, according to the story, he was very, he got a lot of stage fright and Domenico Modugno punched him and said, get out on stage and sing the song. And so he sang the song, huge hit, uh, and it wins the festival, San Sanremo. Um, What's interesting is it becomes a cross-Atlantic hit as well. So it comes into the United States. It is on the Billboard. It's number one on the Billboard charts for five weeks. It is the Billboard number one song of the year. And in 1958, the first year of the Grammys, it wins record of the year and song of the year. So 1958, it dominates basically the whole, you know, all of Europe and also um, North America as well. And as we'll see also South America and beyond uh, Domenico Modugno and Franco Migliacci, the the lyricist come to the United States um, Domenico Modugno performs as he did also in um, in Europe at the Eurovision festival where it was number three and Domenico Modugno, when he sings the song he becomes he has a signature expression is when he's you know he has that intro you know I think that a song like uh, a dream like this will never come back. But then when he gets to the part about Volare, he stretches his arms out as though he's flying. And this is really significant because up to this point, when Italian singers performed, they kind of stood there with their arms by their side and they sang, they sang their song, but it was very stiff. And, and certainly, I mean, this is again, 1958. This is the, the boom of the tele televised era, the video era. And I think Modunia understands, as an actor, he understands how to perform, and not just sing the song, but perform the song. So he goes on Ed Sullivan, he does that. He is known for this expression. And again, it's 1958, and this is significant. This is really significant, because 1958 marks the beginning of what's known as the economic boom for Italy. A time where... Finally starting, I mean, you have to understand, World War II was obviously for everyone, but um, World War II was fought in Italy. It essentially became a kind of um, almost like a civil war, an internal civil war. It was just a disaster, and it was an economic disaster. It was, um, I think it really, we might say, uh, obviously for the cost of lives— it was a disaster. It was also, I, I would say, a, a kind of like a psychological disaster as well for the country. So this was a kind of getting the country back and starting to, instead of trying to heal from World War II, starting to look forward. And so 1958 marks a beginning of this, what's known as the economic boom. It's a time where Italy becomes, first of all, the economy goes leaps and bounds ahead, and it becomes, eventually, you know, by the, I guess by the late 80s, the fifth um, largest economy in the world. I mean, it's come down a bit since then, but but it is a major surprise. You know, if you consider that in the 1920s, people were there, we had, hor- you know, so many uh, people leaving Italy because of, you know, looking for work. Instead, you have... The flip side, you have people going to Italy. I mean, Italy was known at that point. This is the time of La Dolce Vita of actors and actresses wanting to be seen on the Via Veneto in in Rome. Um, So it's very significant. And I think this song really just bursts out there. And it's a great way to to lead up to this period of this economic miracle. It really marks a, a new period. The song had a huge success also for covers. Okay, probably, your, your favorite.
0: Go ahead. No, I don't have a no. Uh, what do you mean my? Favorite? Well, yeah, I don't
1: Well, most notably, most notably in English, Dean Martin. Okay, This yeah. is the post um, the post uh, um, Jerry Lewis Dean Martin, after their, their, their um, what do you call it? team broke up, and Dean Martin's on his own, and he's more trying to establish himself as a serious singer. And he has a wonderful cover of Bolatti, So that's very well known. Um, it has also been covered by, do you want to list some of the? No, I mean, you might. Have...
0: <laughs> what do you need me
1: for? Jerry Vale, Ray Conniff, um, Bobby Rydell, Lou Monte. <laughs> Not a fan. Um in Italy, just about every Italian singer has done a cover of the song. It's it's so significant. It's so important as part of uh, I would say part of uh, Italian culture. Um, these include Claudio Villa and um, Gianna Nannini, who we probably should have talked about when we talked about Siena. Fred Buscaglione, um, Il Volo, which is a, a, a I think they're a trio of of opera singers. Luciano Pavarotti has a cover of it, which is great just because it's mm. Pavarotti. Um, and as I said, also the Gypsy Kings, and there are several other Spanish language versions. And of course, the Spanish translates very easily because Spanish and Italian being so similar, you can just kind of word for word do a translation. So those are, those are also very popular. Jim, do you have a favorite cover?
0: Do I have a favorite? I like the cover. So I listen to... Or a uh, favorite version. I listen to, uh, several, uh, actually while I, I tend to put things on a running playlist, which might affect how I, um, how I visualize them or think of them. But, um, I listen to, well, the, the Gypsy Kings, I know the Gypsy Kings are probably your favorite version. I, I just find it a very Gypsy Kings version, which if, depends on how much you like the Gypsy Kings. Uh, I like, I like the Gypsy Kings too. It's a good it,
1: running song too actually.
0: Yeah, uh it's uh it's it's a, it's a it's a fine it's a fine version. Uh the thing that I guess w- w- there are a couple of things happening in the song that I kind of focused on one is there's that sense of fantasy and uh and release and then there's the sense I feel like there's there's two things that are are kind of going on simultaneously. One one is that sense of fantasy, and the other is the sense that something there's something beautiful. At, there, yeah, in order for something to be interesting, something always has to be at stake. So I think there's a contrast between the idea of something or the sense of something just light and airy, and yet this the sense of a real connection with somebody. And I thought uh, the version by Il Volo uh, mm. has that appropriate sense of drama uh so the versions i was listening to i, I listened to uh Monte, i uh, uh just an, an american cover it's to me it just sounds really twee and uh and um just the arrangements really you know the the original uh kind of has a has a has a a, a jaz- kind of a light jazzy feel dean martin kind of keeps that up dean martin's version his voice is fantastic
1: yeah uh yeah.
0: Uh so I think that It's a
1: good song for him.
0: It, it's a great song. I mean, I think e- everyone listening probably um I hope they know the the Madugno version, but certainly uh stateside the um the Dean Martin versions.
1: Although I can't understand talking. every word in Italian that Dean Martin is no. singing.
0: <laughs> Dean's
1: Apparently Deans. he grew up speaking, you know, the first 5 years of his life speaking only Italian at home, but it was a um probably a dialect. He probably never Learned Italian, you know, um, from a textbook or anything, learned the grammar and learned standard Italian pronunciation.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's certainly um, growing up as I did in Italian, Italian America land. (laughs) uh, You know, I come from a place where people say gabagool and think, you know, or prosciutto or "muzzarel."
1: But um, that actually brings oh, up another your- interesting point about this movie, night uh this movie, this song nineteen fifty-eight. Um, it's also a song, I think, for Italian Americans.
0: Absolutely.
1: You know, so that there is this uh, you know, that we're we're not just the poor workers coming, you know, you're you're um bring me you're tired and you're poor, you're huddling masses yearning to be free. That. Italy still has something to give to the world, and that's really what's happening at this time. It's also interesting that uh, another thing that's sort of a revelation, particularly to Franco Migliacci, the lyricist, when they come to to the United States, is this teen audience. Uh So at this time in Italy, with music, there was music for children, which is like the little songs, you know, about animals and things like that, and then music for adults usually love songs um this song became that you know kind of hit that teen market and i think uh franco migliacci realized there is a mark there is this this whole this is the era of the teenagers right you know Uh, probably
0: probably it's it, it arrives about 10 years earlier in the united states with with frank sinatra and with the bobby Soxers. the
1: Teenage girls that were
0: crazy for Frank Sinatra before Elvis, and then Elvis takes it to another level.
1: Yep. Yeah. Tony Bennett. I mean, there are a couple other Italian American, strong Italian Mm -hmm. American song uh, singers. Uh, So it's a great song. Great song. It's a great song. We're going to link a a number of different versions so that you can. I'm
0: putting together, I have a a Spotify playlist that I'll link to. Yay. Yay.
1: So now let's talk about pulling the Here's our tenuous connection um Domenico Modugno as I said was born in the small town of Polignano Amare which is a jewel on the coast of um of Italy and if you go to Polignano Mare, you can see today a famous statue of Domenico Modugno and he is in this pose you know he with his arms outstretched and um you know, you can also take a picture of yourself in front of it singing
0: yeah, And I think you did that. And
1: I did that. Yes. I did that. Yes. What else can you see in Polignano Amari?
0: You can see the sea.
1: You can see the sea.
0: They're, so Polignano
1: Amare, I'm gonna post some photos. It's um the the town is built up high on cliffs. It's an old, old, I mean the origins of the town are ancient. Um <clears throat> it's built high on these cliffs. Obviously, that's an easier place to defend. Um However, the cliffs, the water below the cliffs is very deep. Mm-hmm. So it's also the site of um, an international cliff diving competition, annual cliff diving competition, because these people actually jump off these cliffs and survive, <laughs> you know, if the, if you know what you're doing. Um, people also fish off the cliffs. There's lots of fishing in the area. It's a fishing village. And there are several small beaches. They're not these expansive beaches, you know, where you have the umbrella and maybe you get your, your spritz or your drink brought to you. Um, they're more pebble beaches and they are smaller. Um, we were there in February, late February. So we were actually there during Carnavale right. and then the very first few days of, of Lent. So uh, I was a bit of a weird time to be, to be there also because that was the beginning of the pandemic in Italy. So things were getting a little bit serious there uh-huh. um but the it is really a summer town, but it was neat to be there in the off season in the very much the off season because it has this historic town center that is carefully preserved, and you know there are restaurants there are there are small hotels, there are obviously lots of shops um in addition, you can go down and you can tour the caves of you know, below Polignano Amare, as I said, there are the cliffs and below there are these caves and you can tour them by boat. We didn't do it in the winter because it's not something you want to do in the winter because the sea can get very rough.
0: Um, Yeah, but it's really beautiful. It's very striking to be up uh, on the cliffs.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it it is a beautiful town. In addition, um, from Polignano, there are a number of day trips you can take. Now, I, I think that we... We made our day trips more from Matera, but from Polignano, uh, an easy day trip is the town of Monopoly, which is only maybe, I don't know, three miles. I mean, you really actually could walk there, but there's a train and it's just the very first stop is this town called Monopoly with like the game, but with an I at the end instead of a Y. And I'll post a couple of pictures of Monopoly. And I I will say, I, I think I actually like Monopoly even better than Polignano because it had a little bit of a sandy beach. It was more of a town. It had more of a feeling of, hey, people actually live here, you know, with a town square, with the guys playing bocce or sitting around, you know, drinking coffee. Um, in addition, you can go visit the, what are known as the Truli villages. These are villages in Puglia that are characterized by these structures called the Trulo or the Trulli that have, um, I'll post some pictures of these as well. They're, they almost look like fairy houses with these little roofs and they were built this way so that they could be easily taken down and moved, you know, with the, uh, to avoid, I believe to avoid property taxes at the time. So um, you can go to the towns of Alberobello, Loco Rotondo, Martina Franca, or some um, Cisternino. There are a couple you can also just see these truly in the countryside. Um, This, area of Puglia is also well-known for these olive trees, these massive, ancient, I mean, hundreds-years-old olive trees that unfortunately right now there is a blight uh, that is killing, destroying a number of the olive trees. So hopefully, you know, it's a disease that is easily transmitted um, among the trees. And I think that it's the number one producer of olive oil for for Italy. Uh, Also, Ostuni, known as the Cittapianca, the white town, you know the the cities in this part of Italy have more of a look that you might expect from Greece and that's not so surprising because this was the region that was settled as Magna Graecia so the uh, greater Greece before the domination of the Roman Empire so most of these towns started out as greek settlements you could also go up to Bari which is the larger the largest city of that region um, and go to the historic area of Bari. Um, there's also good hiking in the area. You can hike along the coast. Uh, we talked about the Via Francigena in the last episode. And there's also, I think I mentioned in the last episode, there's a continuation of the Via Francigena from Rome to the heel of the boot, Santa Maria de Leuca. And it does pass right through Polignano Mare and also through Monopoly. And it's, uh, um, you know, not a terribly difficult hike down there because it's not so hilly. You know, Puglia is fairly flat. Um, incidentally, I would say, although you can get around from Polignano Amare, like you can get there by public transportation. It's connected by the train. You can get to Monopoly by train. It's a little bit harder to get around in some of the smaller towns in Puglia without a car. That said, I found driving there to be very easy. What did you think,
0: <laughs> Oh, Yeah.
1: You know, I, I, I had sworn off of driving in Italy forever, and um, I changed my mind on this last trip, that it wasn't just, it was actually Rome. All right, I still yeah. have sworn off driving in Rome. Uh, yeah. I'll never drive in Rome.
0: You know me, I'll drive anywhere. I have, I have no problem <laughs> in driving.
1: driving. Um, so what else? What else can we say about Polignano Amade? It's beautiful. You know, there are hotels, there are Airbnbs. Plenty of uh, restaurants and certainly. Seafood. And this is the
0: place where um, where Madugna was born, but and he died in Lampedusa,
1: okay. the island of Lampedusa, which is off just
0: Sicily, right off of Sicily. It
1: is actually okay. closer to Africa than it is to Italy. Okay. It is um, yes, he died. He was uh, fairly young, about sixty three, cool. I think. What do we say? Heart disease. Yeah.
0: Listen again to the song. Uh,
1: Listen to all. You know, to- I I spent just like you. I. Did a run, and I listened to as many versions of the song. And I thought, well, after two or three, I'm going to get bored. But I didn't. And I think that's actually a sign of a good cover, is that it it takes something, which is in its heart, a really good song, and it is, and it shows you something new about it. It does something new with it. So we will share some of these different songs, and um, next week we will get to something
0: perhaps right. a little
1: bit more literary, but I think this is part of Literary Italy as well. Great.
0: So if you have any suggestions for the show, uh, please write us at mail at literaryitaly.com. Uh, and uh, we will see you next week. Yeah.
1: And let us know what you think, whether this makes sense yeah. to talk about a song yeah. without playing the song. Um, and if you like the show, share it with a friend. Um and let us know any other suggestions you have for readings to discuss and also places to go, um, right. you know, with our podcast if we right. can't go actually in person. And we will be talking to you very soon.
0: Alla prossima.
1: Volare!